We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, we are talking about another Nets loss tonight to the Mavericks, 113-109. Four straight L's for the Nets. How are we feeling, Jack? Yeah, I don't like the Nets losing, Nick. I'm not used to it. Yeah, especially this season. It has not been something that's been common, especially four straight losses. You know, they haven't had a three-game losing streak since months ago. So for the Nets to be on a stretch like this is less than ideal. But we'll jump into that and plenty more. But always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start with this one? Uh, Nick, you tell me. Where did it all go wrong? It seems to be a bit of a back-and-forth affair. The Nets gained some ascendancy. You know, Kyrie Irving was simply brilliant, as he has been for a large portion of this season. All-NBA caliber guard, no doubt about that. But what allowed the Mavs to uh, sort of, I guess, uh, gain control when it really did matter and get that four-point win? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different factors tonight. You know, early on, the Mavericks were cooking offensively. Things were way too easy. We saw stretches in this game where the Nets' defense picked up, but throughout it was just kind of like, hey, the Mavs could get what they wanted. They were attacking Blake Griffin on some of those switches. Luka wasn't necessarily having an amazing game, but he was able to get other guys involved. Role players were stepping up. There was a lot of mental mistakes for the Nets, especially in terms of, like, defensive rotations and effort on that end of the floor. And then, obviously, guys missed shots. You know, Kevin Durant had... A pretty poor night in terms of shooting. 7-21 from the field, 0-4 from three. Joe Harris, 2-6 from three. Landry Shamit, 0-4 from three. So just, you know, missed shots were definitely a reason for the loss. But I think defensively, there wasn't enough on that end of the floor because if they put out a good defensive performance, I think they're still able to squeeze out a win, and it just wasn't there tonight. It's been the Nets' biggest problem all season, Nick, in terms of just sort of allowing their offense to just sort of be the the key contributor to their identity and just being like, you know what, we're just going to win by by being the best offensive team maybe ever uh, in terms yep. of the talent and in terms of the, the efficiency. Are you starting to get a little bit worried about the Nets' defense? And, you know, 26th in the league, it's been a question mark since the start of the season. We've seen moments that we've sort of gone, okay, they're not too bad. You know, obviously the Milwaukee Bucks scoring 120-plus, you know, another 110-plus game against the Dallas Mavericks tonight. 
Is that going to continue to be a sticking point? Or are there things in particular about the defense, Nick? Say, you know, the Blake Griffin playing the fire position, losing LaMarcus Aldridge uh, at, at that front core position to sort of provide an option against Embiid, Giannis, these sort of guys. Because ultimately, this is a regular season game, and we're thinking bigger picture overall. But the Nets defense, be it, you know, the personnel or the schemes overall, are, are, are there any worrying signs for you as a fan? Yeah, I think you look at it, there's still some concern about the cohesion, the chemistry, the rotation, and the communication. You know, at different points in the game, you just see guys struggle or like someone's calling out something and the other guy doesn't react or they're not expecting to do it. And also, I think something we talked about a little bit earlier in the season, the Nets have really spent a lot of time on their switching defense, and I don't think they've necessarily spent a lot of time on other defensive looks, which could maybe come back to bite them in the postseason when they need to make those adjustments. We've kind of talked about that with the Bucks in the past, and I think on the Nets' perspective, is like, hey, they haven't necessarily had these guys on the court together to run these specific types of schemes against players like this. And then also, you know, it was brought up in some of the postgame stuff. They've won kind of easily throughout the season with their offense, so they haven't necessarily had to be a great defensive team. But we know when you get into the postseason, defense does matter. Obviously, I think guys are going to pick up the intensity. The communication is going to be a little higher. The effort's going to be higher. But still, there are question marks because – experience definitely carries value when it comes to postseason basketball. Ultimately, it's going to be the fact that if the Nets do win, they are an historical aberration. If not, it's going to yeah. be like, yeah, well, why? Of course we know that they didn't win. You know, no top 20, no team that isn't top 20 in defense like in the past 20 years. You know, I think the last team was the Los Angeles Lakers um, in the early part of the decade that were one of those teams that happened to still be just that good that they their talent on paper allowed them to get the, the championship. I think, Nick, that ultimately... It's, it's the availability of the players. And while yeah. I still think that that's not necessarily a, a cop-out excuse, I do think the Nets do need to be better because right now our front court, the, there are worries for me because it's Blake Griffin, it's DeAndre Jordan, and thankfully we are seeing a little bit of Nicholas Claxton, and I think he's going to get even better You know, in, with the presence of James Harden. He just looks better on both ends of the floor, maybe more so than any other player other than Joe Harris. So I think Claxton seeing him uh, back out tonight, getting some more meaningful minutes, it certainly does help because at least it gives you different options. You know, Kevin Durant not necessarily performing to the capabilities he would like. I think his defense is going to continue to hone in, and I think we'll lock in even more come the postseason. Jeff Green, you know, he's going to find, uh, hopefully, his consistency and his efficiency. So I think it's just having Claxton back at least gives you you a little bit of hope and optimism about the fact that look we can at least throw these different looks at some of these teams that you know the nets are going to be facing in the postseason because it is going to be a tough road to the finals especially at east with that the fact that they're likely to be the second if not the third seed yeah i think that's a great point about claxton and jack and i think for me Claxton is obviously a step behind when it comes to experience in the NBA. He hasn't logged a ton of minutes, hasn't played a ton of games, hasn't even necessarily played a ton of minutes with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, we've seen him really shine with James Harden. And in my opinion, the Nets need to get Nick Claxton a lot of minutes over the course of these next couple games because he needs to accelerate. Because at the end of the day, He's probably the only X factor when it comes to defense on this team. Like, he's a guy that can go out there and cause problems. We saw him isolate against uh, Luka tonight and shut him down. And, like, not many players in the NBA can literally do that. And like you mentioned, I think Kevin Durant's a step behind defensively. You know, his defense hasn't been as good as what we saw in Golden State. Some of that's a torn Achilles. Some of that's spending more energy on offense. But at the end of the day, Claxton is the guy that can be the game changer on the defensive end. And the Nets need that because they have a lot, a lot of offensive firepower, especially when James Harden gets back. So Claxton's the guy I'm looking at is like, hey, this is the guy that they need to really step up and take that growth. Obviously, it's almost 
irrational to expect him to get there before the postseason, but long as he can give the Nets 25 good minutes in a postseason game or 30 minutes in certain scenarios, I think that literally can be the difference. And I also think in the rebounding perspective, he's one guy on this team that attacks the boards. He goes up and gets the rebound. He does not wait for it to come to them, a la DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, eight boards for him tonight include two offensive ones. And, you know, he's just attacking everything like Jared Allen used to do. And it's good to see him starting to get those minutes. You know, another five yep. games to get some reps in, get some conditioning in. Because, like you said, Nick, he is a floor raiser. He is a game changer with his defense. Yep. And while we didn't see necessarily Nicholas Faxon against Giannis and, and such before, it might not be the matchup that does suit him, but he is at least a body. And he has the, the tools to at least, you know, I would rather see, you know, Claxton for five-minute stretches than giving 10 to 15 to 20 minutes to, to DeAndre Jordan. It just, I think variance is something that is going to be important for all teams um, going forward. And the Nets do have some options to show a little bit of diversity. I think it is going to help them because I think it's going to have to be a collective effort because the Nets, like you said, Nick, don't have a, a great amount of individual defensive talent. They've got really good offensive talent. We know that. Uh, in spades, but defensively, it's going to take the collective, which is why, you know, the switching scheme takes a collective, it takes communication, it takes engagement, it takes all those little bits and pieces, so, look, hopefully we see five games, and we see some a, a nice lock-in on the defensive end of the floor, you know, we see James Harden come back, we'll chat about that, that news a little bit later in the pod, but other than those things that were sort of touched on a little bit, Nick, I guess we probably should touch on an incredible performance from Kyrie Irving, 45 yeah. points, Five boards, four assists, four steals, two blocks, seven of 31 from the field, seven of 13 uh, from three. This is going to be a performance that we're not going to remember, Nick, because it happened in an L, but Kyrie Irving was on tonight. Yeah, I mean, scoring the basketball, he's just elite. And he was in the bag tonight, like you mentioned, Jack. 17 of 31, 7 of 13 from three. I also really like the defense in this one. Very engaged, active hands. You mentioned the four steals, the two blocks. Just something that gives you a little bit of a spark. You know what I mean? And I think like his performance is great, but the difference between a 45 point performance from Kyrie Irving and James Harden is so different because 45 points from James Harden typically means he's raising his teammates and they're probably having a good game because there's probably 10 assists or something based off of that when there's more initiation where when Kyrie has a performance like this, it's more of a singular performance for Kyrie Irving. And I'm not trying to throw shots at him. He's a, he's a great player. He's one of the best players in this league. But at the end of the day, his 45 points were great, but I'm not sure how much better he made his other teammates you know, tonight. And that's fine because he typically is in that shooting guard role when James Harden is out there. But tonight he was kind of just Kyrie Irving doing his thing. And obviously when you're hitting shots at that level, that's perfectly fine. And he wasn't a component for the loss. But at times it's like the difference in having a point guard and having a scoring guard. Yeah, I think it just sucks that during this streak we haven't really had KD and Kyrie performing capably together. You know, yeah. the, both of this been like, you know, KD shine or, or Kyrie Irving shine. You know, Kyrie Irving obviously has his own excuses. You know, Kevin Durant coming back from injury. We can't expect, you know, flawless performances at this time of the year, even though we do want them and we're probably spoilt for the fact that we've seen some flawless nights from this team. And yeah, I guess overall, Nick, I, I'm not sure if I'm saying this, that I have the right number here, but wasn't it like the 35th different starting yes. lineups? That, and that level of inconsistency 
you know, while it is, you know, experimentation, all these different things and available bodies or whatever. But, you know, we didn't see Tyler Johnson tonight and Kyrie Irving was incredible. But I just think having another extra ball handler, I know you're not a massive fan of Mike James. I'm not, I'm neither here nor there about it. I think he's sort of like Chris Chioza, like B-plus Chris Chioza, a little bit better than him. But I just think Tyler Johnson's a better player. But uh, that that's for me. Uh, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the, the guard situation uh, in the absence of James Harden? Yeah, I think you could have used some Tyler Johnson grit tonight. Some of that energy, obviously, three-point shot is something that is a little inconsistent for him, but he has knocked it down pretty well this season. And I think as a secondary playmaker, he's not terrible. Uh, Mike James definitely had moments in this game where he was very frustrating. He did finish plus 12, but there was a pass he tried to throw to Nick Claxton that was just kind of like highlight-esque where it's like, hey, just get the ball to where it needs to be. There's some shots that he takes that are just kind of like, what are you doing? Some turnovers where he dribbles himself into trouble. So... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Honestly, I thought even just with the starting lineup, it lacked balance tonight, Jack. It was very offensive themed. You know, Kyrie Irving, Landry Sharamit, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin. No Bruce Brown, no Nick Claxton, not even a Jeff Green in there. And even though Jeff Green's kind of been a little bit off lately defensively, I think that's something that you could look at with Steve Nash and be like, hey, maybe we need a little bit more balance in some of these lineups instead of just going so offensive heavy. Because if you have Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving in a lineup, the offense is going to be fine for that lineup. You know what I mean? I think it's kind of finding some balance with some of these other players. And Tyler Johnson can be one of those guys. Not that he's an elite defensive player by any standard, but he provides some of those extra hustle and effort plays that you need when you have elite offensive players that aren't necessarily going to spend as much energy on that side of the floor. Even though Kyrie Irving, like I said, probably was one of the best net defenders tonight. Yeah, you can't necessarily <laughs> argue with four steals and two blocks. And I think some of his help defense as well. I, I, he's... He's been a good defender this season. You know, a, a, not a very good defender, but he's been a good defender this season. And that's something we didn't necessarily expect. A very welcome surprise and good to take into the postseason. I agree with you, Nick. I think that now is probably the time to see Nash to maybe start to solidify some things. You know, yep. let's go with some consistency. Your roles are going to be this. Landry Shamit, you're going to be our bench flamethrower. Nicholas Claxton, you're going to be cooking with, you know, Joe Harris and James Harden in, and, and Blake Griffin coming off the bench. You know, let's get DeAndre Jordan back that starting spot. I'm not saying that that that's the, the way to go about it. Maybe you experiment with Clax a little bit at the starting five. Or go I don't Bruce know. Brown, Jeff Green, and Small. You know what Bruce, I mean? Like, that was yeah, a lineup that worked for a while. 
It did, it did. And obviously, without DeAndre, you know, Bruce and Jeff, there's a bit of spacing out there. We know how it can sort of work. So I think that while the Nets probably will be able to coast, or at least hopefully coast through a first round, if it's against a Miami Heat or, or a Boston Celtics, they might not have that luxury. So I think that they need to start using these games. It's even actually to start using, you know, the next five games or so to start slowing some things down and sort of narrowing things in. This is the, the starting five. This is our rotation. This is what we want you guys to do. This is the balance that we need. Yeah, because there's limited time to get those reps. And obviously, like we've talked about, there's been a ton of injuries. The Nets have 30, 35 different starting lineups. So, and even like you were talking about a few episodes ago, Jack, when you're looking up lineup combos, not many of them have logged high minutes. You know what I mean? These guys haven't necessarily spent a lot of time on the floor together. And that can be difficult at times to develop that chemistry and that cohesion. And I think defensively, that's where it really sticks out. Where offensively, you have great players. You have basketball IQ. You know where guys are going to be. They're going to make shots. You know, you have James Harden. You have Kevin Durant. You have Kyrie Irving. You have Joe Harris. You have Landry Shaman. You have Blake Griffin. You have other guys that can help you create great offense. It's where that defensive cohesion that they're missing. And that's hard to replicate without experience. And it's also something that can help make up for lack of defensive talent in which the Nets do have. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you couldn't have put it any better, Nick. Just a general broad question. Are you worried about the Nets' current form, Nick, this four-game losing streak? Are you reading into it a lot, or are you sort of just trying to look at the bigger picture and sort of go, look, the Nets are going to be a one, two, or three seed. That's what matters. But the things that do matter are the X's and O's, not necessarily about the, the win-loss record, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's hard to really make any true observations about this team without James Harden on the floor. He provides a lot on both ends of the floor. Even defensively, we've seen the impact he's had on this team, rebounding the impact he's had in this team. And also, he's just very stabilizing for the offense and makes life easier for a lot of guys. And at times, the offense can be so hard that it might even fatigue the Nets and frustrate them on the defensive end of the floor. So I think James Harden definitely eases the load. But I will say... I'm a little concerned to an extent about the defensive cohesion and chemistry on the end of the floor. Like, I think some of the mistakes that you're seeing is just something you don't want to see in this point of the year. Part of that could be fatigues. Part of that could be the grind of the season and guys not really caring about the regular season. That's yet to be seen. We won't really know until we see the Nets play in the first round series. Are they going to turn it up defensively? Is there even more for them to turn up in the second round, the, the conference finals or even the finals? Like, they're the answers that I don't have because I, we just have to wait and kind of see this team out there. And it's really hard to replicate postseason basketball in my head you know just based off of what i've seen from you know watching the playoffs for the last you know 10 years of my life plus you kind of just see teams pick up defensively and make less of these mistakes and do a better job of just kind of shrinking the floor the closeouts are better and whatever it might be and that just might be enough for the nets given how much offensive talent they have so maybe there's a, a slight bit of concern because i don't think you want to see this at the end of the season but given the injuries and some of the difficulties of a COVID season i think the neck the nets are in fine shape long as james harden is suiting up for this team when it comes to the playoffs and look, that is a, a nice little segue, Nick. We did hear James Harden speak to the media. He's hoping to be back at a, a couple of games in before the end of the regular season. You know, Denver, Cleveland, whoever it might be. He's sort of talking about the fact that he wants to get some, some conditioning in. He's working on his change of direction, which for me is the big thing because we saw him you know, get himself injured in the first, what, four minutes of the game, which are, you know was the re-aggravation of the hamstring injury. Hopefully, you know, ultimately he's a hooper. He wants to play more than anyone else. You know, come the last time we had an extended James Harden absence in the NBA, to be honest. But this is going to be a welcome return probably more than any other. 
Yeah, I think this is huge, to be honest. You know, a lot of people probably won't look into it that much, but I think just getting him back on the court, even if it is for two games, and getting those minutes with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and the rest of the team and kind of stabilizing them and possibly even them giving them that confidence boost. And like you said, from a conditioning perspective, from an explosiveness uh, perspective, you can't really get that in practice. You can get that in a game, and that's going to be what I want to see from James Harden. And like we've talked about in the past, you know, he occasionally has rust on his three-point shot it'd be a great time for him to kind of shake some of that rust off his game going to the postseason even if it's in the first round and then by the second round he's you know mvp level james Harden. he is incredible and i expect him to come back and probably dominate in a way that we have high expectations for and i think that he will get to there to that level if not maybe even better but it kind of relates i wanted to sort of bring up the question and you know a, a tweet that i didn't necessarily expect to do the traction that it did nick because I thought I was relatively objective in a somewhat subjective fashion. I sort of put out the fact that Kevin Durant is the Nets' best player, Kyrie Irving is the ultimate X-factor, and James Harden is the most important and impactful. Was I wrong in saying any of that? Because a lot of people were like, well, if Kevin Durant's the best, doesn't that mean he's the most important and impactful? I'm just like, yeah. like, And then I sort of try to provide a little bit more saying, look, it's deeper than this, but you're sort of seeing the absence of James Harden being a felt that reverberate across the the roster you know how much better he's going to make nicholas claxton bruce brown joe harris landry shaman kevin durant Kyrie irving he is the he, he literally elevates every single player on this team you know the way that we sort of discussed a little bit earlier with Kyrie irving that unfortunately his skill set doesn't allow him to do that was i off base nick when i tweeted that out or are people getting salty in my mentions I think they might be getting a little salty, Jack. I think for this specific team, you look at James Harden and what he can do to elevate the talent they have on this roster, and it just makes more sense because of the skill set he has as a playmaker and as a passer and his ability to kind of create double teams, get in the paint, work in pick-and-roll situations, and really attack the defense and make them uncomfortable and get his team good shots. And I think that was just showcased tonight a little bit. The Nets kind of went into a lot of ISO heavy stuff against okay to solid defenders when you know the Mavericks have Trey Burke or Jalen Brunson or somebody on the floor that they easily could attack. And I felt the same way in the Bucks, you know, the Bucks two game series where Brian Forbes is on the floor, James Harden is eating that up. He's getting that switch or he's getting somebody in a position where they're able to capitalize on that. And I thought tonight and sometimes in those Bucks games, the Nets just settled and win against great defenders. And yeah, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can do that, but it's easier for you when you're going against a bad defender. And I think that's what James Harden does. He puts guys in a position where they're at their best and their life is easier. And that also allows them to allocate more energy on the defensive end of the floor and other aspects of their game. And just having that type of player, like you said, Jack, elevates everybody. And as good as Kevin Durant is, you know, James Harden has more of an impact probably on his teammates where maybe you could say, for Kevin Durant, he's more of a two-way player and defensive end. He's going to create more for you. But I think for this specific team, James Harden's impact is really felt because they also just don't have any other playmakers. There's not necessarily somebody who's a natural point guard in this roster. Spencer Dinwiddie would probably be that guy. But as we know, he's still recovering from his torn ACL. Yeah, you look tonight, Nick, you know, the leading assist getter with Kyrie Irving and Mike James with four. You know, James James Harden was leading the league in assists before the injury. Yep. In terms of his passing. And maybe one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. It's him, it's Joker, it's LeBron. Those are the three guys that immediately come to mind. Luke is a tier behind those guys, obviously. And James Harden, I think, just he every single array of pass that he has 
no, not many players in the history of the game has the ability to throw lobs, to throw a cross-court pass, to throw touchdown passes, to throw pocket passes. He's an incredible passer, one of the best in league history. And also to think suddenly defensively he matters maybe more than we probably think because the switching scheme is for him. He plays nothing but switch across the, the past decade of his career. You know, his strength to be able to... Obviously, he gets caught out in the room a little bit when he is isolated. But when he is in the post, and he's, I think communication and smarts, I think it just makes everything work better. He's the... Probably not necessarily... You know, it's collaboration. We know what the, the, net, the Nets' philosophy is. But James Harden is a leader in so many ways on the court. And while Kevin Durant is individually brilliant on both ends of the floor, like you alluded to, Nick, Kyrie Irving can break a game open like few can. James Harden's impact on so many facets of the game uh, shouldn't be underestimated. And again, we're trying to provide nuance to a discussion that is obviously a subjective discussion. And ultimately, it's just about the health of these three. Let's get them right, and I think they'll figure it out. I, I, I will ask, though, Nick, are you worried about the lack of continuity for this team with James Harden? You know, we talked about the lack of minutes. You know, it's 176 minutes. It's eight games or whatever. Or are you more in my camp where it's just sort of like, these guys are so goddamn incredible individually in terms of their IQ, in terms of their chemistry on and off the court, that they're just going to figure shit out. Yeah, Jack, and just before I answer that, I just want to say one more thing about the James Harden passing thing. I feel like his passing is contagious to an extent. You know what I mean? The team just moves the ball better. You know, I just think back to that game against Golden State where we saw all three of them and they had like 35 assists. And then you look at a game like tonight, 18 assists, and that's just not going to be good enough. And um, getting back to your your question, Jack, I agree with you. I think offensively, I don't really have much concern just based off the way he plays and the way he was able to adapt with both KD and Kyrie Irving. So I think offensively, that's not really a problem. I think it's more of the group cohesion defensively where my concern is, and that's not specifically James Harden or those three playing together. It's just literally the entire roster not necessarily having those reps and understanding like, oh, he's good in the post. I don't need to help and take that step and then give up, you know, an non-contested three or maybe a semi-contested three. It's just some of those little areas. And there still seems to be some unsureness when it comes to the defensive principles at times. You know what I mean? And what they're supposed to be doing, if they're going to be switching and what they're doing there. And I also saw something that stuck on the Bucks game a little bit was just like, oh yeah, we ran switching all year and now this game we're going to play a little bit differently. And it felt like guys were kind of anticipating switches on some plays and then not getting them from their teammates. So I think there needs to be a little bit more clarity on that end of the floor. And I also think James Harden is pretty much one of the vocal leaders of this team. We just know he's more of a talker than a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving really is, and he's willing to call guys out a la DeAndre Jordan or when you're not in the right spot or where you need to be, he's comfortable being that player. We've seen that on the sidelines. You know, we've yeah. heard that from Sarah, Sarah Kustok and the like by the fact that on the sidelines, you know, you see James Harden wanting to be there. You know, you can just, he wants to be out there. He wants to be coaching on the court rather than, you know, coaching on the sidelines because he knows his best impact is going to be felt on that court. But he is an incredible player and his impact and presence is sorely, sorely missed for this Brooklyn Nets team. We are sport for choice, but, you know, James Harden that would be a, a nice damn addition and hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But, Nicole, yes, I wanted to ask you about Steve Nash. Over this sort of losing streak here, he's gotten a little bit of criticism here or a there. A lot of criticism, Jack. Nets Twitter is going nuts. <laughs> now, I've been off Twitter a little bit more than normal, posting a couple of memes here or there. But what are your thoughts, I guess, on Steve Nash? You know, still coach of the year, sort of candidate. Obviously, you know, the guy uh, alongside the the bridge in, in, in New York is probably a, a much greater candidate. But what do you think of, of Steve Nash? It seems to me it's almost like reminding me a lot of Mike D'Antoni vibes. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's some of that, but at times, like, the players don't execute. You can't blame the coach. Like, you look at tonight, guys missed shots. They got stagged in offensively. Defensively, they didn't have the cohesion. Yes, Steve Nash could have made better adjustments when it comes to maybe playing Nick Claxon more, incorporating Bruce Brown a little bit earlier in the game. And I think, like, this idea that Steve Nash is going to micromanage games and call these plays and sets, like, no, that's not going to happen. He's going to occasionally do that. But the way the Nets have played all year has kind of been almost freelance to the extent of like, hey, we're going to run actions on our own. We're going to set screens on our own. We're going to play good basketball. And they've been arguably, you know, the best offense in the NBA this season. So to expect him to just randomly start doing that, it's not really necessarily something that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could have probably called more sets. But at the end of the day, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are good enough and smart enough players to do that on their own. They made the choice to go into isolation situations, not forcing switches, not running pick and roll, not trying to set Joe Harris up for screens. Like It's not just on the coach for some of those things. And yeah, I get it with the timeout stuff and Steve Nash saying he wants to build character with his teams can be frustrating. But also, like if he's doing this in the postseason, I'll be concerned. In the regular season, I think some of these mistakes are acceptable because I think he also wants to learn about his team and he also wants to test out some different rotations. So it may be frustrating at times, but it's almost anticipated. Yeah, hopefully it's not a Mike Bullenhoser effect where it's just like yep. we see the same sort of things that, you know, not giving the right, the right minutes here or there, not making the timeouts, you know, bad ATOs at, in terms of, you know, who's inbounding, who's outbounding the ball in, in those sort of situations. I think overall, Nick, one thing that I, I probably frustrates me a little bit is, you know, he has the ability, not necessarily with the set plays, and I totally agree with you there, but he has an ability to, you know, with minutes allocation and rotations, that's a, yeah. a, a, quite an easy fix for him. You know, why are we going all offense against a team that is an incredible offensive team and has probably some decent athleticism on us as well? You know, and, and why isn't Bruce Brown getting these extra minutes? You know, you need to start thinking about the fact that, yeah, you don't have to give TLC minutes. You don't have to give Mike James minutes or whatever. Now is the time where it's just like, okay, let's lock in. It's playoff mentality now. You know? but we need to start thinking in that sort of fashion uh, as an organization. I think it needs to start being uh, that mentality from, from Steve Nash himself because I think that will reverberate across the roster. You know, he has been done a good job leading this team. In, in, I think overall he's had an incredible season as a rookie head coach and you know, the support and mentorship that he's gotten from Ima Udoka, from Mike D'Antoni, from Jacques Vaughn has been great too. That collective coaching um, has been sensational. We know that. But now it's just like, I don't want to see him flounder and turn into a Mike Woldenhoser, you know, Mike D'Antoni in, in times, you know, where their credence and, and capabilities, you know, goes backwards come the postseason. I want him to turn into a Nick Nurse, a, a Nick Spolstra, and keep going forward, keep, you know, being proactive and doing the things that give the players the tools to succeed and, and, and execute. Yeah, I think for Steve Nash, it's kind of trying to find that line of having an impact but not trying to impact his team too much because of the talent they have. And I feel like he kind of leans to, you know, I'm hands off a little bit too much sometimes, which is understandable given the talent he has here. But sometimes I think as fans or in certain situations, you want the coach to have more of an impact on the game. And like you said, Jack, he does control the rotations. And like I said, wasn't a big fan of the starting lineup. You know, I think also incorporating Bruce Brown a little bit more, Nick Claxton a little bit more. And I think Jeff Green's just kind of been off the last couple games. Games. But besides that, like, you know, you need to have balance out there and also try some different things. And like you said, be proactive, get a little bit weird and do what you got to do. And also make sure you're playing guys that you're going to play in the postseason. And no disrespect to Mike James. I really don't see the purpose in playing him, you know, 15 minutes. You know, like, I'd rather see Landry Shamit try to run the, the second unit because... I'd rather see Alizé Johnson out there because he's a, he's a guy that can impact defensively and on the boards. Two areas where the Nets are weak. Yeah. 
And obviously you want Mike James because you get a little bit of that playmaking, but still even going with Tyler Johnson to that extent, I think might be something that looks a little bit better in my eyes. And he's somebody that has a realistic shot at playing in the postseason. If Mike James is getting postseason minutes, I'll probably be upset. Yeah, Mike James and TLC probably should be out of the rotation by that point in time. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it all does pan out. James Harden will probably solve a lot of the issues that we are discussing too, Nick. So any other um, big picture thoughts, Nick, or or thoughts from this game? Uh, I mean, I just am slightly concerned with Jeff Green. I think we're starting to see some of, like, those mental mistakes, and maybe that's something to do with fatigue. You know, there's some bad positioning in some of the Bucks games. Then tonight, he just, like, seemed a little bit off on some of his rotations, and I don't know if it's just, you know, late in the year, lack of engagement, maybe he's dealing with an injury, something that's maybe a little concerning because obviously he's played such a huge role in this team. And he also is one of those players that gives you such flexibility in going small. And even just kind of getting back to Steve Nash, it was kind of interesting that he didn't elect to go small against a team like Dallas, who, you know, at best has mediocre centers tonight because Chris Stapps was out. It was just Willie Cauley-Stein and Dwight Powell. They're not necessarily guys that fill you up with fear. So I thought that was a little bit strange as well. Yeah, look, there's just got to be a greater awareness. And look, ultimately, these are one-game sample size. They don't matter overall. I just think that, you know, there's five games now. And, you know, hopefully, you know, an easy enough first round to sort of get things right and get get things in championship habits. You know, that's what we've been working for all season. And Kyrie Irving sort of alluded to it's been too easy. There's been a, a lack of adversity at times. When there has been adversity, the Nets have responded in a pretty big fashion. You know, when there's been the absence of players after the post-Detroit game, you know, the defense was locked in a little bit more. So I think that hopefully now for the past five, for the last five games, and they don't rely on the fact that James Harden is going to be returning soon. And they focus on what they need to do individually. You know, Steve Nash is a head coach. And they get this thing going because I think more than any other season, I'm getting less confident about the Brooklyn Nets championship hopes and more confident about the field because I think this is as open a championship race as it ever been there. And I think it could go to anyone. And I think that there are a few teams that probably have more on the line in terms of you know what's at stake. Uh, than the Brooklyn Nets in terms of a, of a championship. You know, the Denver Nuggets, you know, they don't have Jamal Murray. You know, the Phoenix Suns, they're a young, blossoming team. But this Nets team needs to be in the finals. They need to be in the Eastern Conference finals. They need to be in the NBA finals because, you know, their, their stakes are higher than anyone else's. So um, I know that they know that. They don't need, you know, some dude down in Australia talking <laughs> about it. But ultimately, um, the five games to get it right, I'm pretty confident that they will. Um, but I hope it is done um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think one big, you know, kind of important thing to keep an eye on going through these last five games is trying to get some of the role players going, trying to make their life easier, set plays up for them, even if it means, you know, losing a couple possessions. You know, Chamet's going through a little bit of a cold stretch. We saw that happen earlier in the year. You want to get him a little bit hot going to the postseason. Even Joe Harris has had some you know, non-Joe Harris plays we've seen that have kind of just almost been bonehead plays from Joe Harris. And that's typically something I've really never say in this podcast. And then also his three-point shot is a touch off, but that's something he can typically get at, get out of. But over these five games, you want guys to feel confident in what they're doing. And you want to start, you know, like you said, building those championship habits and even defensively just showing a lot of effort. And hey, we miscommunicate. Let's talk about that after the play because we need to get this shit straight before the postseason starts or at least before the second round starts because that's when things really, really start to cook. Yeah, well, the scary hours to be for the for the opponents, not for the Brooklyn Nets themselves. 100%, Jack, but always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.